you know, I wanted to start off tonight by uh, doing something. I wasn't quite sure what, where, I, where I had it. It was somewhere. And then I'm throwing away some files in, in the garbage. And this fell out of the file. And I went, oh, there it is. So, if you have your Bibles with you, put your Bibles up in the air like this. Whatever hand you choose, right or left hand. Okay? Ready? Say after me. This is my Bible. There are many like it, but this one is mine. It is God's holy word. It is his gift to me. I will be using it to teach, rebuke, correct, train in righteousness. It is my sword. As a warrior would take it to battle, his weapon. I cannot live without my weapon, my sword. I will read it. I will learn it. I will obey it. I will live by it. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to save it this time. I love that. That is so cool. Well, praise the Lord here. Let's look at our 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. Very good section of Scripture here from the Apostle Paul. And he has here to, the, uh, to Timothy, he writes, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, uh, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn from uh, their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. Wow. So, let's pray. Father God, as we uh, look at your word this evening, Father, and recognize, Father, there is no substitute for the word of God. That, Father God, we would take in our hearts, Father, this truth. And in these days ahead, Lord God, we would treat your word as you would have us to treat it. As you would desire that we would treat it. And that, Father God, realize it is the key to everything that we do this side of heaven. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Paul has a lot to say here. And one thing we learn from these verses is that the word of God is for convincing rebuking and exhorting here. Uh, and uh, we see here convince. Uh, in the King James, it says reprove, which means to use the word of God by a means to convince people uh, of God's truths, not with the intellect, not with philosophy, not with opinions, but with the scriptures that he's brought us. The word of God is the thing that does the convincing by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not by our cleverness of speech, not by our intellect, not by what we think we know. The Word of God stands for itself, as we'll see. It has here rebuke. Rebuke here simply means to point out error and faults that are not in harmony with Scripture and to correct other people's behavior or by what they would teach. So to refuse the rebuke of the Scriptures is to reject Christ. Whoa. So very important. And I, I don't have time to talk about it in detail, but when you look into the original Greek here, rebuke is seen as a positive thing, that you're being taught because you need to be taught. And gosh, we all need to be taught. None of us have arrived. I want, 
put it right here, Lord. You know, I, I want it. Let me have it. I want it. Not to hurt us. It's not a punishment. It's, it's, it's not a slap in the face. It's, a, oh, thank you that you just helped me. That type of a, of a view that we would have in our culture of what rebuke means in the original languages. We kind of think of that as a negative word. It's actually a positive word to help someone. So we want to be rebuked. That's a wonderful thing to have happen. Exhort here is to encourage and build up. We all need to encourage one another and build one another up. We're all ministers of reconciliation. We're all ministers of all of us uh, of encouragement, of building up one another. My gosh, that's what we should be known for, building people up, not tearing people down. Amen? Encouraging one another, not, not putting people down, oh, I'm better than you, but rather, you know, uh, helping build someone up so you can be better than I am. That should always be our desire. The Apostle Paul here personally had all this in his experience. He was given this uh, to this young minister, Timothy, that he had taught uh, ministerial advice. Uh, it's as if he's saying to them, well, you know, this is my experience in, in ministering the gospel, so I want you to learn how it should be done from what I did. And uh, of course, Timothy would make that personal to himself. You can't walk in another man's shoes, but you can certainly learn from what they had. You know, all of us should listen to the words of those that have gone on this journey before us and learn from what they did so I can enhance my journey, make it my own, but enhance my journey from what they've experienced. So Paul was constantly trying to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. He was uh, all that a, this meant to a person's individual life, uh, that they would find that what was necessary was to have belief and faith in Christ. Paul was constantly encouraging and teaching that. He was constantly rebuking, constantly confronting and correcting those who taught error or those who needed to have more added to what they knew. Well, that's good you know that, but there's a little bit more you need to know. And uh, correcting constantly and uh, when people's behavior didn't line up with Scripture and the life of Christ within them uh, didn't uh, call for something greater than the way they were living. And as we see here, he talks about... Uh, Convince, re rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That means we need to be patient with people. We need to be constantly patient, constantly teaching. Um, I talked to one gentleman uh, who I met in the uh, Navajo Nation. He was a Methodist minister. He, he's no longer a Methodist, but that's how he started, I don't know, 30 years ago. He would visit constantly, and he thought he was going to just go there and share the Word of God. He found out they didn't really want to hear that. <laughs> and uh, he said, I know the Lord sent me here, but didn't tell me I was going to be pulling teeth. He was like really frustrated at uh, people want religion, but they don't want the Word of God. And he was very frustrated in uh, not being able to communicate the truths of the Word like he wanted to. He, he was learning long-suffering and constant teaching. It's like when you have a child, you know, they're real little, you put the food in their mouth, and they spit it out all over you, and you put it in again, and they spit it out, and you put it in again, and eventually they swallow it. And that's what a lot of teaching of the Word of God is in a lot of places. Uh, you think they got it, and they don't. And they just did everything to the opposite of what you taught them. And you're like, okay, it's good through this again. And he was explaining the frustration of that. And um, yeah, so Paul was talking here about the constant long-suffering he had to have with the people that he ministered the Word to and to, in teaching the Word. 
So Paul here was constantly exhorting, encouraging the body of Christ, especially during a time when there was great persecution around them, right? Uh, they had to, he was encountering many false teachings of his day that he had to correct that were uh, frightening the uh, faith of many. I remember, my gosh, not too long ago, uh, there was a, there was, I don't forgot who this person was, but they were ministering in China in, this, in the underground secret churches, and there were people extremely upset in the churches because they were taught Jesus came already and left them behind. And they were distraught outrageously, and he's like, what? No! And they, they didn't believe him. And so he had to undo all this bad teaching they were hearing from people who didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, so, my gosh. Uh, so that's a, that Paul experienced similar things uh, to do undo the damage that people were doing in those days. And of course here, very fascinating here, verses 3 and 4, because uh, obviously this was about Paul's day, but my gosh, it's almost prophetic about the day we live in. It's like, it's like prophetic and they go together for time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, we got to have that today for sure, especially post-1950, post-World War II. We have an entire world that who claims they're believers and they don't want to endure sound doctrine, uh, but rather according to their desires. People want to hear what makes them feel good. People want to, they want to hear words like death to self. They want to hear words like sacrifice, words like commitment. Yeah, they don't want to hear those kind of things. They don't want to hear teachings about what hell is about. Uh, my gosh, that's one of the most unpopular things you could teach in America today about hell. Yet, it's a huge teaching in the New Testament. Uh, absolutely amazing. People don't want to hear that anymore, but they want itching ears. In other words, oh, let me hear more about that. That sounds fascinating. There's a group of them talked about in the book of Acts like that. They wanted to hear the newest teaching, the newest teaching. And as a result of that, it says here, and they will turn away from the truth. They find teachers that'll tell them exactly what they want to hear, and they will turn away from the truth. Wow. And turn aside to fables. Amazing. And uh, today, th that's prevalent all through the body of Christ. I mean, uh, you're normal. You go across a lot of parts of America, there's so much new age teaching that has been weaved into Christianity, uh, so many things from cults. It's uh, shocking how many teachings out there have Mormonism weaved into the teaching. I mean, anytime you hear about the Melchizedek priesthood, that's from the Word of God. But when you hear about the Aaronic priesthood. That's Mormonism. And uh, there's people that teach on it. Like, what in the world are you teaching on? That didn't come from the Bible. That came from Mormonism. Uh, it's amazing stuff out there. So you, we have to be careful. We lived in a very toxic and poisoned uh, spiritual uh, society today. Uh, no matter where we live, there's a lot of poison out there that's being accepted as the Word of God. So this is really wild stuff. What Paul had experienced in his century is not that different from what we experience today. How about that? I mean, this is an immensely different culture, different time period, and yet it's so relevant to the day we live in when the Word of God declares it. I'm unbelievable. So the key here, uh, we, we want to see here in Paul's comments is the Word of God is key. Uh, it is, the Word of God is the written will of God to us. We really got to get that 
People will say, you might hear it, ah, you'll never know the mind of God. It's all a mystery to us. That's ridiculous. Yes, you can know the mind of God. He wrote it down for us to read. When you're reading the Bible, you're reading the written word of God, the mind of God given to us that we can understand it. If I know his word, I know him. Amen. He meant it that way. If I know him, if I know the word, I know him. That is supposed to be the way that's normal. A very interesting verse here in Deuteronomy 29, 29. I love this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us and to our sons, uh, things, but the things revealed belong to us and our, to our sons forever so that we may follow the words of the Lord. What God has revealed to us is what we need to know. That's the key here. His word only reveals to us what we need to know. Beyond his word in the mind of God are things we just don't need to know. I mean, so many things he could have mentioned, he didn't. Where are the dinosaurs? He doesn't tell us. Why? In the mind of God, it's not important for us. Isn't that something? In the light of eternity, though, people tend to focus on things that they don't really need to know about. And they make a big deal of it, of what they don't, or what's not written down here. That's a distraction. That's a distraction from knowing what the will of God is. Or people want to know the details of everything to a zenth degree. Why did that person die? Why didn't that person get healed? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? What are the details of exactly we're going to be doing in heaven, etc., etc.? Hey, always remember, this side of heaven, we are meant to walk by faith. If I had every answer to a zenth degree, what do I need faith for? Every detail is never going to be revealed to us this side of heaven. We are called to believe what we do not see, what we cannot explain, what the Word of God gives us. And beyond that, that should be good enough for us. The rest we trust the Lord. So rather the Word of God tells me that we are to please Him if we walk by faith. So sad Doubting Thomas is called Doubting Thomas. But he wouldn't believe unless he had saw and touched and Jesus said to him, this is not on the screen, in John 20, verse 29, because you have seen me, you have now believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believed. I have not physically seen Jesus. I have not physically touched him, but I believe as if I've always known him. I, it's so real, more real than who I am. What is that? That's faith. And Jesus tells us, if that's you, you're blessed. I'm sure Thomas is a great guy. He, he gave his life for the gospel. But he had to come to a point where he had also walked by faith. So faith in God's word here is what really matters. And uh, so I guess we better read and study the word of God. The word of God is the key. So back here to Paul's words in Timothy, preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort. We see this scripture uh, too often in terms of ministering to other people. We need to apply the word of God to ourselves as well. Uh, we need to personally be convinced you know, with the things in the word. We need to come to a place where, uh, where, where we haven't been in faith to come to a place of faith by going to the word of God. 
Yeah, a lot of things you read, you go, okay, Lord, I, I see what you're saying here. Help my unbelief that I can believe. I need, I need to increase the belief level about a lot of things. And we need to personally rebuke ourselves with the Word of God when our behavior doesn't line up with Scripture. Don't look at me like uh, I'm the only person in the world who has to experience that. You ain't so full of the Holy Ghost yourself. Hey, I got that line one time from somebody. I, I went to this counseling conference, and it was the head of this Pentecostal denomination who was speaking at the conference. And he made this little comment like, oh, that kind of reminds me of the taste of a margarita. And everyone kind of looked at him. He went, hey, you're not so full of the Holy Ghost yourself. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> he was right. Uh, you know, uh, we need to rebuke ourselves. We need to grow ourselves. We need to be confronted with where we just don't get it right sometimes. We need to exhort and encourage ourselves, as David did, encourage himself in the Lord. Uh, when the, when, with the Word of God, when we have things pressed against us that are discouraging circumstances. Hang around planet Earth long enough, and you will find discouraging circumstances. Uh, if someone told you different, they gave you a very strange gospel. Jesus said, you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Yes, discouraging circumstances and for some people's lives have been devastating. I mean, just devastating. But Jesus is there. He hasn't forgotten us. He brings us out of those discouraging circumstances of life. So the word here is key. The word is so important, as I said. It's a spiritual tool. Uh, I like that point. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 shows us that. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to, uh, and open to the eyes of him who, to whom we must give an account." So we have here some many fascinating things here. Only the Word of God can go to a man's heart to cut through what are the thoughts and the intentions. We don't know our own hearts as we think we do. But the Word of God reveals ourselves to us far more than we could ever imagine. You know, uh, I did a whole lesson on this on uh, many Wednesdays ago, but, you know, our soul— our intellect, our mind, our personality, our will, our memories, our emotions, our, our, the uniqueness of who we are. And then there's our spirit, where we are alive to God now after knowing Christ as our Savior. They touch. And the areas where our spirit and soul touch, that area where it touches is what we call the heart. The heart of man, the heart of woman. And only the, in there we make the decisions to obey the Word of God, not obey the Word of God. Uh, where my selfishness has to die because I'm being influenced by the Spirit of God and I don't like it. He's not, he's not satisfying my selfish desires and where, where I have to have that exposed to me. The Word of God cuts through that and reveals to us the intentions and the aspirations of our hearts. That's one of the most important prayers that we could pray. Lord God, reveal to me that the intentions and aspirations of my heart would be pleasing to Thee. A very important prayer. We want it to be that way. Because if our intentions are right in our heart, we're going to act that way. If our intentions are not right, we're going to act sinful. 
And we want to have the intentions of our heart pure before the Lord. Only the Word of God can reveal that to me. Only the Word of God can come to the heart of, of who we are. Only the Word of God can bypass our minds and go directly to our heart. Our mind is not the pathway to God. Our heart is the pathway of God, to God. In 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, we learn that uh, all the people of this darkened world, all they have is their mind and their five senses. Anything else to them is foolishness. I mean, just think about it. You're in church tonight. How about people that you know, maybe in your family, your neighbors, your friends, who don't know the Lord, who don't walk with the Lord? To them, what you're doing here is foolishness. Why would you listen to somebody talk about the Bible? Oh, it's probably a crutch you have, right? It's probably weak in your personality. Right? Remember the, the, the movie, Ted, uh, movie owner Ted Turner? Ted Turner was big on that. Anybody who believes the Bible, they're weak people. They need a crutch to live on in life. Because why would they say that? Their mind is darkened. This is foolishness to them. But the Word of God tells us to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. People will judge you when you're walking with the Lord and call it foolish because they only know darkness. They walk in darkness. It's good to know that you walk in the light because you're perceiving something that the natural man doesn't have to understand. It goes right to your spirit man. Your mind here is just being a, a, a tool, a servant of your spirit man to receive the things of the Lord. You leave here with something deposited in you that you didn't have when you walked in. Something got planted inside of you. Something got watered inside of you. That's how the Spirit of God works when the Word of God is ministered. Amen. So anyway here, uh, that's why the Word stumbles people. The Word of God stumbles people because it spiritually confronts their minds and they can't process that effect. They, it strips them defenseless. It lays them bare naked before the Spirit of God uh, when their eyes are compelled to meet Him and they don't want to hear that. They'd rather cover up and hide, as it tells us in the book of Revelation. Uh, Paul tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, that our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That man, that says everything to us. Our faith, wow should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Unfortunately, most of Christianity out there, they want to get to your head when they should be getting to your heart. Uh, when we should be getting to your heart, all the cults want to get to your head and fill you with something false. But only with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, can we go to the heart. And that's what we should always be pursuing. So the Word spoken to us has spiritual power that's released. You know, whether you realize it or not, right now where you're sitting or if you're watching on, uh, on, on uh, the internet, online, spiritual power is being thrust into you that bypasses your intellect. That Spirit of God's putting something into you uh, because the Word of God's being spoken to you. So that's why Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is so powerful to us here. Uh, it is spiritually alive uh, to bring a life to us as Holy Spirit applies it. You know, here uh, it shows that it exposes the intentions of men's hearts, the thoughts, the intentions. That's why it's called a two-edged sword. Uh, because in Paul's day, that was the best, quickest cutting implement to separate something. Uh, the Word of God comes quick inside of us and immediately gets to the heart of a man and separates something. Uh, what's not of the Lord and what's of the Lord. So we see here in Timothy, um, we must use the Word of God, um, as we also see here in Hebrews, uh, to get to the heart of man. 
So it's vitally important that we have no substitute. There is no substitute for the Word of God. If you didn't know it, that's the title of what I'm speaking tonight. There is no substitute for the Word of God. I mean, there's a lot out there that's going to try to come at you to be substitutes. There is no substitute for the Word of God. We have to be that serious, uh, especially in this upcoming year that we have now. Uh, we have an emphasis on, I, I know it's not called the year of the Word, but it could be. This is the year of the Word of God. We need to be really focusing on, Lord, your Word means everything to me. You gave this to me. Me, I want to know your mind this year. What's, what your plans and purposes are for my life. It puts salt in your shaker. So, all I said was just this massive introduction. I really have to share three reasons tonight why there is no substitute for the Word of God. We'll do them briefly. Number one here. Psalm, I love this. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, which is one of the oldest psalms. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the pathway of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, in the Old Testament here, when you see law, that is uh, synonymous for the Word of God. That's their expression of it very often. So, all counsel here that we find is not founded upon the Word of God. Counsel that is not founded upon the Word of God, Psalm 1 calls it ungodly counsel. I never forgot that when I first read it. All counsel not found on the, founded on the Word of God is ungodly counsel. If any counsel we receive from others or advice that we get from others does not agree with the Word of God in verse or principle, is counsel of the ungodly. I don't want to hear it. You have nothing to offer me. If you have the Word of God to offer me in principle, you have nothing to offer me. You know, even Christians can give counsel of the ungodly if they're filled with the wisdom of this world age. That's a strong statement. I, I have a quote here. I have to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly how he said it. Great minister of God, Steve Gallagher. Uh, he was with the Assemblies of God. I don't know if he still is. Uh, Steve uh, has a deliverance ministry. He was a man that was delivered from uh, uh, porn addiction and sexual addiction. And his life is devoted to seeing other people get free from pornography and from uh, uh, sexual addictions, uh, which we have a very crazed sexually addicted society. If you didn't notice that already, you probably had your head under a rock. It is a crazy world out there. We haven't rivaled the Roman Empire, but we're not far from it. And uh, anyway, he had a point here he made one time. I never forgot it. He said, uh, Christian bookstores are filled with how-to books full of advice, and all of them don't have Scripture in them. They're just the opinions of men, and yet we call it the Word of God. And when uh, we just have the, the uh, opinion of Christians of this world age, they bring us a powerless, changeless gospel. There could be very nice people out there who mean well, but if it's not the principle or verse of the Word of God coming to you, it can't change you. It's useless. It's just full of books of how to and how to get fixed, and the Word of God is not the center of any of it. And they said has been his opinion of a lot of the material out there in helping people get free from sexual addiction and pornography. Just a lot of opinions and, and, and views, but where's the Word of God here? Where's the power of the Lord that sets free? That's his whole point uh, as a minister of the gospel. And yeah, there's just a lot out there that is the wisdom of this world age, and we call it Christianity, and it's not. And sometimes, you know, um, 
We give, um, we only see counsel coming to us by the advice of other people. And uh, yet we are expected by God to put the word in us, not the counsel of others as the guide of our lives. The word of God will speak to us. I've used this example before, but I'll put it up again. This is not on the screen. This is from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it to you when you have it with you today, or when you have it with you. I can remember knowing that's from Proverbs, and one day, many, many, many years ago, I don't know what it was, but I had to give somebody some money, and uh, I said, yeah, tell you what, I'll see you next week, and I'll get that to you. I heard the Lord said, give it to them now. You have it now. Proverbs. It was Proverbs that talked to me. Uh, Tell you what, hold on right there. (laughs) Write that in there. Why? The Word of God corrected me, and that was the counsel I needed to hear, not the the friendliness. I'll see you next week about that. So we need to remember the Word of God will counsel us, and we need to remember we need to be convinced. We need to be rebuked. We need to exhort ourselves with the Word of God. And why should I do that? Why should we do this? Uh, There's really, uh, the main reason is it will keep us from sin. Two scriptures, I love Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why do you want to read your Bible through this year that you would hide his word in your heart that you would not sin against him? That should always be my goal. Because if I don't hide the word of God in my heart, I will lean to sin because I'm selfish. All of us are selfish and lean to sin when we don't put the word of God in our heart to drive selfishness out of us. In Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, this is out of the NIV Bible. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Because the implication here, this present age isn't all that nice. I need to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in the world I live in. And if I don't put the Word of God in me, then there's no uh, a compass in me uh, to teach others and direct others. It teaches me to say no. That's fascinating. The Word of God in us teaches us to say no. I love it. The Word of God teaches us to say no. Nancy Reagan probably read that. Those who are old enough to remember when she had her Just Say No program. Okay, Okay, so I said I had three reasons tonight to share of why there's no substitute for the Word of God. My second reason I want to share here is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. There is no foundation. uh, I'm sorry. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My foundation. Uh, We need to develop a foundation for our life that all will be built upon. And Christ is that only foundation. Uh, No other foundation. If we don't have a foundation, the building will fall when shaking comes, right? If it's a poor foundation, the building will still fall when shaking comes. Only with the Word of God can the building stay up when the shaking comes. And when I see people's lives fall to pieces, 
and they let it fall to pieces, that's a quick sign to me that, hmm, they really didn't have the Word of God as their foundation. That's not to judge them or to look down upon them, but it means to help them define the Word of God as their foundation. Why is it people can experience two hor- the same horrible thing, yet one person, they're not shaken, and yet the other person, their life falls apart for a long time. One has a foundation in Christ and the other one didn't. Didn't say they weren't believers. They just didn't have Jesus as their foundation. They've had the wisdom of this world, uh, the wisdom of Christianity in America as their foundation, not the Word of God as their foundation. We need the Word of God as our foundation uh, beyond anything. Scripture shows us that the, uh, the apostles and the prophets built upon the foundation of Christ. We need to remember that in, in um, uh, Revelation chapter 13, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 13, it tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. He is the living Word. And some scholars believe here that in Hebrews 4, 12 that we read before, that the Word of God is a living, powerful, uh, and sharper than any two-edged sword, that this is referring to Christ Himself, who is the revealed Word of God. Jesus Himself is, uh, is a living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It says in the book of Revelation in more than one place that, the, uh, that a sharp two-edged sword comes out of his mouth. Wow! Meaning that his words, his utterances, the Word of God, are the sharp two-edged sword. Very cool. Very, very cool. There's no substitute for the Word of God. We can't separate Jesus from the Word. He is the living Word. So when we read and study our Bibles, we're having fellowship with Jesus, the living Word of God. That's something we have to keep in mind as we open it up and look and read. So to reject Jesus is to reject the Word of God. So therefore, no cult or false religion that rejects Christ can know the Word of God. That's impossible. If we reject the Word of God, we can't find Christ. He's the foundation of everything. He's the very foundation of uh, being the Word of God. And uh, it's not just once, but it's a daily foundation we build. Because daily we're confronted with lies and deception. Did you realize it was dumped on you today? Somewhere in your day, lies and deception were dumped on you. It could have been like you were with me, 5 a.m. in the morning. Hi, here's the news today. Boom, lies and deception are dumped upon me. First thing in the morning. Very dumb in my part. Uh, yeah, because we are constantly confronted with this every day, and we need the truth of God's Word that we would have a foundation built in Christ, not what comes out of us every single day. Because it's the truth of God that uh, keeps us from sin, that preserves us. So, coming to my third point here, um, the third reason of why I'm here to share tonight that there is no substitute for the Word of God. And that's Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Very important here. We need to develop, all of us, sound doctrine. Doctrine simply means we collect scriptures and arrange them in a chronological order, I said logical order, uh, for a pattern by which we're going to believe and live by. Uh, We need to know why do I believe what I believe. That's why our Bible school exists, uh, that we would know why we believe what we believe. Uh, What about heaven? What do you believe about it? Why do you believe about it? 
Where did you find that in the Word of God that you would believe about it? Getting answers to prayer. How do I do that? That's my doctrine for my life, right? Overcoming circumstances that press against us. How do I do that as a believer? Why do I do that as a believer? We're building doctrine to live by. How do I walk out my salvation? How do I get victory over sin? How do I get to be a biblical man or a biblical woman, a biblical husband, a biblical wife? How do I do that? I have some kind of a construct built in my mind of what's that all about. How do I learn that? Hopefully I got that from the Word of God, not other people's opinions. And it's the Word of God that's going to build me and give me a purpose that I'm going to practice for for the rest of my life. So we need the Word of God to develop doctrine. And we all have doctrine whether we realize it or not. Has anyone ever heard of a, a, oh gosh, he was an evangelist in the 1800s, Dwight Moody? Anybody ever heard of Dwight Moody? Um, Dwight Moody was not an educated man, but powerfully moved of the Spirit of God when when he ministered. Um, Anyway, uh, he he spoke once at this church, and uh, the guy, I don't know, in the front of the church didn't like what he said. And uh, the guy ran up to him at the end of the altar and said, I don't like your theology. I don't like your doctrine. He went, he laughed and went, really? I didn't know I had one. <laughs> and the guy was like insulted, you know, who was this pumpkin and left out all upset. But yeah, uh, you know that you have one. Uh, we all have a structure of belief, all of us do, about all these topics. But does it agree with what God's word teaches? A lot of us get one piece from one sermon, one piece from another sermon, one piece from another sermon. We put it together, and that's what we believe. Is that in the Word of God? People give opinions a lot. People say things they shouldn't say. What's my foundation built on? It's not built on some man or some woman. It's built on what the Word of God teaches me. So doctrine uh, can be sound or unsound. Uh, unsound doctrine, of course, we, 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 is called heresy. Uh, so we, how we arrange the Scriptures— And our doctrine is very, very important. Unfortunately, too many people have holes or gaps in their personal doctrine. Too many have the opinions of men added to the Word of God. That's why our Bible school is a vehicle uh, for us to be discipled by and learn personal sound doctrine. We also have at our church uh, home growth groups. They do the same thing to all of us. We don't don't realize it, but hi, I'm here to learn sound doctrine. We don't talk like that, but that's what you're there for. There's the fellowshipping of the brethren, but we're also together learning how to develop sound doctrine. It's something we kind of like do unconsciously. You don't have to. It's something you can learn about. In fact, you can buy books called Systematic Theology. That's the name of it. And they give you a systematic breakdown of doctrine. In our school, we have Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, which is a systematic uh, theology of, uh, of what Christians should believe in basic Christian doctrines. So anyway, like I said, all day long, we're bombarded by counsel of the ungodly. All day long, we see our own uh, selfishness, and we're confronted with the deception and the lies of a society that doesn't no God. We need a voice of sanity to keep us all from sin and point to us what would please the Lord. There's no substitute for the Word of God. Only the Word of God can do this for us. Paul knew it, as we read before, to convince, to exhort, to rebuke, and not only for those who minister, but we have to do this to ourselves. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 
Uh, we'll be looking at this over the next two weeks. I'll be doing a couple lessons on uh, how to study your Bible and how to interpret your Bible. And uh, so this will appear in both of those. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Oh, that is so powerful. We need to be diligent about how we handle God's word. Not casual, diligent. Wow. Why? That I would be approved of the Lord. That he would say, ah, well done, good and faithful servant. I like how you handled my Bible. Yeah. And, we, and so that we would never be ashamed that I don't know what the word of God says to say. I don't know what it teaches. Uh, I don't know what, how to answer that we would actually divide it correctly in those doctrines that we would have it in us. Not in my head, but in my heart. So, we're not to treat the Word of God casually. Uh, we're not to live what's called vicariously through others. What that means is, so many people, their Christian experience is lived through their pastor. Or live through their favorite TV teacher. Or live through someone else's experience in walking with the Lord. What's your experience in walking with the Lord? Well, you're, you're here to tell me. No, all I'm here is to point you to the Word of God. You have to go to it for yourself. Not because I said so, but did you find it yourself in the Word? That's all we're supposed to do is point people to the Word of God. So Holy Spirit, our teacher, would teach us. Too many people live their Christian life through their church, through their pastors, through their elders, or whoever's their favorite. And uh, that's their whole relationship with the Lord, through other people praying for them, other people laying hands on them, other people uh, praying for them, other people showing them the Word of God. What are you doing with your prayer? What are you doing with the uh, Word of God? It becomes very personal. I remember there was a it's a long story. There was a teaching done many, many years ago called, How Long Can Others Carry You? How long can others carry us when we won't tie our own shoes for ourselves? When we won't go to the Word of God for ourselves? A lot of people won't. They say, well, you're the paid professional. You're the pastor. You're supposed to be doing that. All I'm doing is pointing. I've always said, I'm, always, I'm just a roadside pointing. You've got to read the roadside. I can't live your life for you. I've got enough problems living it for myself. I can't live your life for you. All I can do is point you to the Word of God. So that's a big problem in Christianity, that people live vicariously, that is, find victory through others. And there is no others. Jesus is my victor. I have no others. There is no plan B here. We're responsible for our own walk with the Lord. So why am I saying all this tonight? Well, you know, we have a new year in front of us. Um, and uh, nothing has been written on it yet. It's just a blank slate. What will you do? What will you write on this new year? What will, will you write it with the pen of God's word or with other people's opinions? You're going to write something. You're going to put something down as a foundation for your life. What will it be? Will it be because... Uh, you're just looking to be made happy and make my life easy and nice? Or because I'm here to live for the praise of His glory. I'm here to be used of the Lord. That's why I exist on this planet, that I would be used for the praise of His glory. Lord, reveal to me what that is. I don't understand that. Help me. Am I going to write on this new year, 
God's will for my life? Did you know that is the number one asked question in Christianity for centuries? What is God's will for my life? That is the number one asked question. No matter what the church, what the century, it's the most asked question. What is God's will for my life? Well, first of all, this is his written will. And as we do what it says in general, the specifics come to us by the Spirit of God. What's my piece of the puzzle to fit in? And all of us got that piece of the puzzle. Only the Lord knows what the puzzle looks like, but we all have one piece of the puzzle. Maybe you've got a bigger piece than I do. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. We all got a piece of the puzzle. And when all those puzzle pieces fit, and only the Lord knows how that puzzle's put together. Because he's the one to cut it up for us. He's the only one that knows. And I got to play that puzzle piece. I got to make sure my piece of the puzzle fits because I need you to complete my puzzle. You need me to complete your puzzle. The pieces fit. It isn't you and Jesus alone on an island. That was never what the Word of God was meant to be. We were meant to put our pieces together, as it tells us in Ephesians, where the ligaments and tendons all fit together. We were all meant to fit together. You don't have to be my friend. You have to be my brother and sister in Christ, right? Hey, I like you, but you don't have to like me, but you need me. I like you. I also need you. Hey, we need each other. We have a puzzle piece that fits. So what will you write on this new year? What will the real Lord God reveal you? If you're not in his word, you won't find it. God forbid another year goes by and you still don't know what the, what the puzzle piece even looks like. But that's how people live from year to year. They never quite find out why they fit into the body of Christ or what they fit for. So I want to close here. I don't want to go belay this any longer. Uh, I'd like to suggest that um, let's be a people who do something intentionally with the Word of God this year. Hey, reading your Bible through in a year is a great opportunity. A lot of people never do read their Bible through. They read it in bits and pieces. That's a great endeavor. I would encourage you to do that. Um, so that might be something to do. But let's be a people who are purposing to be intentionally so that we can live inspired lives. I got to do that intentionally. I have to respond in faith and say, yes, Lord, I'll believe you. I'm not quite sure where I'm going, but I'll believe you that you'll lead me and guide me down there. We can only live inspired lives by how we handle the Word of God. Strong statement I just made. We can only live inspired lives by how we handle the Word of God, how seriously we take it. So let's have it inspired 2024. Let's pray. Father God, we just seek your spirit to bring us a love for your word, Father. A desire for the things of you, Lord God. Oh, Holy Spirit, show us the things we do not know. As we open the word of God, talk to us. Make these scriptures come alive to us, Father. Plant them deep within us, Lord God, that they would be the guide and pattern of our life for the days ahead, that the decisions we make are based on the principles of your word. Uh, the people we talk to this year are spoken to by the principles of your word that we have put in our hearts, that, Father God, we would be a walking Bible for other people to read your plan and your will. Father God, use us in these days ahead, Father. There is nothing greater, Lord, on the face of this earth than to be used of you. And we dedicate ourselves, Father, to you this year for that. Open your word to us, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus. We all just say amen.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I made myself happy. I don't know about you, but I'm real happy. Praise God.